Our sermon this morning is based on the gospel from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Please stand out of honor and respect for the words and works of Christ while he was here on earth. After After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the gospel of our Savior. You may be seated. Our reading sort of leaves the inquisitive Christian with more questions than answers. There's a lot of, but what about this? God, where did these guys come from? How far, far away did they come from? How did they understand the, the, the prophecy about the star? How far did they have to travel? How much did they actually know about Jesus? When they showed up to Herod, did they, did they understand the mess that they were getting into? Why did they have to come to Herod, and, and why didn't God just lead them straight to, to the manger? We, we've got a lot of questions that we just don't have the answers to. These, these seem like fascinating characters, individuals that, that we want to know at least a novel's worth more about. People that, that we desperately want to, to, to know just a thing or two more about. Because these magi, they're... They're sort of secret, and, and maybe we're not even sure what, what land exactly they're from. It's, it's something so, so fascinating, and yet so undescribed in Scripture that maybe, maybe you get done with this section and you go, you know what, God, I have a few too many questions on this one. I wish you would have answered them. But I would say, dear brothers and sisters, that, that we know the answers to the important ones. And, and maybe that's what God was doing here as, as he has Matthew, his author, recount this, this story of, of the Magi coming to see their newborn Savior, Jesus. He gives us just the details that we need to understand what God wants to get across through putting this inside of the canon of Scripture. He wants us to understand why maybe they stopped at Herod and how it is that they came from a place that was far off, a place that ought not have known who Jesus was, 
to finding themselves at the bedside of their Savior King. Just a a little background here on on Matthew. Matthew, the author of the book of Matthew, that's about the easiest one you're going to get today as far as the the trivia questions go. Matthew is the author of this book of Matthew, and Matthew is, is a Jew, and based on the way that he writes, he is actually writing to a Jewish audience. It is a Jewish person writing to a Jewish audience based on all of the traditions that he invokes and the language that he used, we get the impression that he's not writing to some, some big, broad audience. Instead, the, the direct recipient of his message there at that time was a Jewish audience. And as he writes under the, the guide of the Holy Spirit, see how he records things in the beginning of Matthew. In chapter 1, he records the genealogy of Jesus and he traces it back to Abraham. And then later on in Matthew chapter 1, he gives, he gives to us a little bit more insight as to how Jesus was brought into the line of the Savior. How Joseph brought him into his home, into his family, and therefore he became a part of the line of the Savior. All of that would have been really, really awesome to read if you were a Jewish audience and you went, yeah, I know, I know Abraham, that's, that's my ancestor. But then in Matthew chapter 2, we get this. And it almost seems as if God leapfrogs over the entirety of Israel when it comes to presenting his king to his earth. And he goes and finds somebody from the distant lands. These magi, who by all accounts are not Jewish, and who maybe are mystics from a far off land. Why? Why would Matthew go out of his way to recount it that way? Why, why would he go out of his way to, to say that, that the people that saw Jesus very shortly after he was born were people that really knew very, very little about him, but clearly all they needed to know was exactly what they said. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? It seems unlikely that these men would have ever found themselves in the natural course of events to be at their knees worshiping their Savior. And yet that's exactly where God brought them. Today I want us to to marvel at the, the power of God to reach the unreachable and the grace of God to love the hostile. Yes, these, these magi were, were maybe hundreds of miles away. We're not really entirely sure, but, but based on everything that we know about the word, this wasn't a word that was commonly used in, in the, the Jewish circles as far as people that were inside of the, the Jewish faith. And so it's pretty safe to say that, that these people would have had no, no prior recollection to, to the entire scope of the prophecies about Jesus. And yet for some reason... For some reason, here they are understanding this prophecy right here. They see the star and they follow it. And listen again to exactly how they come about seeing their Savior. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report him to me so that I may go and worship him. You read that and you sort of wonder, why did, didn't God just cut Herod out of this picture? He had, he had done all of the back work for getting those men from their far-off place to Jerusalem. 
why on earth didn't he just finish the job himself? Why did he have Herod finish the job? We see in this, as God uses all of these moving parts together, many of whom are very unfaithful to him, we see God use his full power on full display using these unsuspecting tools to carry out his will and to affect faith in the hearts of these magi that I say again, through the natural course of events, would have absolutely no place in the story of salvation. But there's somebody else we need to take a look at here. And that's King Herod. Yes, we've seen God's power as he brings these, these men from a, their far-off land to his Savior's side, but I, I want us to understand the grace that he puts on display as he deals with Herod. This same Herod, just a few verses later, was going to start breathing out murderous threats. This same Herod was going to have every two-year-old baby boy and younger killed in Bethlehem, in the surrounding area. And yet to this King Herod, God brings these magi with the message of salvation. Isn't that a little bit shocking? In the life of Herod right here, we see God's grace extended even to him as God sends people that carry the message of this newborn king of the Jews, Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, to Herod himself. And yeah, don't get me wrong, we see Herod's response to it. We see, in fact, all of Jerusalem's response to it. We see, we see the chief priests and the teachers of the law's response to it. Nobody seems to be overjoyed by the fact that Jesus is on the scene. In fact, it says that they are disturbed by it. But in all of that, don't lose track of the grace of God that although they did not come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, here, by allowing the Magi to have a little bit of a detour and not leading them straight to the cradle side of their Savior, God is actually extending a hand of grace to Herod, these leaders, and Jerusalem. Boy, that says a lot about the grace of God, doesn't it? We see this story, and, and, and certainly we see that, that they didn't receive Christ in faith. But, but one thing we can never sell short is God's fervent desire to aggressively pursue those who are lost with his salvation and grace. I suppose we see a little bit of each in ourselves, don't we? It's Gentile Christmas. We see ourselves, those of us who don't have Jewish background or descendancy, we see ourselves as those Gentiles who, who by, by Old Testament law would have been outside of the family of believers, who would have been outside of the kingdom of Israel. We see ourselves as the one that God has, in his great power, extended his grace to us. But might I also suggest today Maybe we do have to see King Herod in ourselves a little bit too. No, I've never breathed out murderous threats against God, but, but are we taking his name in vain or do we use it always as it properly ought to be used? No, I'm not 
I'm not setting up a plan to kill him. But in each part of my day, are there, is there this little sinful nature? There is this little sinful nature that will go after God and look to push him to the peripheries of my life so that I can focus on my life. King Herod was focused only on King Herod and King Herod's kingdom. There is that part in every single one of us that wants to push God out of the way so that we are just the kings of our own little kingdom and no one can tell us otherwise. Yeah, if we're honest with ourselves, we all have to see King Herod in ourselves. Too far gone. Do you have those people in your life? Too far gone. People who you just don't think that the power of God could reach. People that you doubt the grace of God has the, the, the bandwidth to love. I think if we're all perfectly honest with ourselves, we, and we were told to close our eyes, I won't make you do it, but if we were told to close our eyes and, and think of that one person, there's a pretty good chance, whether it's somebody we see on TV or somebody that's actually in our lives, we would be able to picture somebody and we would go, yeah, this person is just, they're just too far gone. The same miracle of faith that God produced in your heart is the same miracle he attempted to produce in Pharaoh's, in, in Herod's. The same miracle of faith is, is needed in every single human being to create faith. Whether it is an infant at the baptismal font or it is an adult that is 80 years old, whether it is King Herod or it is Mother Teresa, the same miracle is needed to produce faith in the hearts of a lost sinner. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that is what we give thanks for on Gentile Christmas is the immeasurable power that God used in order to draw us to the Savior. All of the people that he used in our lives, all those moments of preaching, all those, all those times that, that we found ourselves maybe down in the dumps and, and with nowhere else to turn but to God. God has used every single one of those opportunities to draw you closer and closer to him. That's a miracle. That is not something that happens naturally or by chance, by fate, anything like that. That is, that is the hand of God reaching directly into your life through the word and sacrament and grabbing you by the scruff of your shirt and drawing you closer to him. That's Gentile Christmas. People that have no place, no natural place in the story of salvation, yeah, there they find themselves. The Magi found themselves sharing the message of the Savior without them even noticing it. King Herod found himself pointing the Magi in the direction of the Savior without even knowing it. 2,000 years ago, God used some pretty inadequate and maybe even some evil tools to accomplish his good purpose and will in this world. Do you think maybe in 2024 he, he might be able to use you to extend his kingdom of power and grace on earth? He used people that didn't even know what they were doing. 
to extend his power and grace. What could be said about you? Who knows of his power and grace? Yes, dear brothers and sisters, in this new year, we're all going to have those opportunities. Those opportunities to, to speak up. To live our lives so that the people around us can't help but see the power and grace of our Lord Jesus on display. And yes, maybe, maybe, just maybe we'll have one opportunity to put that power and grace on full display as we say, hey, come with me to church. Hey, join me in prayer. Hey, I have a Savior, and I want you to know more about him. God was able to use Herod. I think, I think he'll be able to use you. Amen.